Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you, I'm guessing, are like me, uh, and that is that you carry a whole lot of things around you each day in your various pockets. Uh, My pockets, my pants pockets, my shirt pockets, my coat pockets. I wear a sport coat most days here to St. John's Church. Uh, They're filled with all sorts of things. Things for uh, the church keys and business cards and pins. uh, Things for home, more keys, uh, uh, toys and other sweet things for my children. Uh, These days I often have some sort of nasal spray and tissue in my pockets because of my allergies. Uh, I have a whole lot of stuff that I carry around with me each day uh, in my various pockets. And, And most days, at least most of the days when I'm working here at the church, uh, I have with me uh, a really small little container, this little container here, uh, that I keep in my pocket. Uh, This is not something that's terribly fancy, uh, but in it is contained a small cotton ball upon which uh, I've poured some some holy oil, some blessed oil for the infirm, oil for the sick. Uh, And when I make my pastoral visits uh, to parishioners who are either at home or in the hospital, I'll often use the oil contained in this, uh, in this little vial here to anoint them uh, as we say our prayers together. In the church business, uh, we call this little container an oil stock. Uh, and they're often given as gifts uh, to new clergy when they're ordained. They're one of the tools of the trade, so to speak. I have a clergy friend who was preparing for his ordination in the church. Some of the members of his home parish wrote to him to ask him what he'd like for uh, his ordination as a gift from them, from them. and he told them that he thought an, an oil stock would be a, a really nice present. His ordination day arrived, the bishop came and laid her hands on his head and made him a priest in the church, and at the reception following the service, he was presented with his new gift, uh, a certificate informing him that he was now the proud owner of several shares of Royal Dutch Shell oil stock. <laughs> Unexpected surprise for him to be sure. Uh, I didn't get that on my ordination day. Unfortunately, uh, I got one of these. In fact, I got this one right here. This oil stock was given to me to, uh, by one of my very favorite priests in the church. Her name is Suzanne Smitherman, and I had the wonderful privilege of working along, Su- alongside Suzanne for about three years at St. Paul's Church in Chattanooga. I did my field education at St. Paul's, uh, so when I, when I was a seminarian at Sewanee, I would drive down to Chattanooga, uh, and this was all before I joined the staff, and during that last semester before I graduated, Suzanne was, was on a sabbatical in Rome, and when she returned, and as I was preparing those last few days for my ordination to the diaconate, she took me out to lunch one day, uh, and she, she gave me a little box containing this very oil stock. Uh, And with this oil stock was a a small note with words from Matthew's gospel account on it. It was a quotation from Jesus. It was the passage where Jesus is sending the 12 apostles out uh, to do their ministry in the world. And all the note said was, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That was the work she hoped that I would be doing. Anointing others, and you all probably know this, anointing others 
is an ancient practice and has a long, a long tradition in our Judeo-Christian history. In the, in the Old Testament, prophets and priests and kings were all anointed with oil as they undertook their new offices. Think of that, that glorious coronation anthem by Handel Zadok, the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed Solomon king. That's straight from the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the epistle of James, we read that if anyone is, a, if anyone is sick, uh, then they should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is where we get this practice of anointing the sick from. In some Christian traditions, ours being one, we use oil. It's a different kind of oil, oil of chrismation, to anoint the newly baptized when we declare to them that they are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. In other Christian traditions, particularly the, the Roman Catholic Church, oil is, is used to anoint the hands of a priest and the, the head of the bishop on, a, on the day of his, his ordination. Anointing was, was also something done to a body to prepare it for burial. It was the ancient equivalent of embalming. Think of the stories that we'll hear in just a little over a week uh, when we hear about the women going to Jesus' tomb early in the early in the morning to anoint his body after, after his crucifixion and death. Anointing is a, a holy act. It's an intimate act. And uh, every time I'm given the privilege of anointing someone, it, it reminds me of my call, my call to be fully present with those who are present with me. That's actually one of my guiding principles for my work uh, in the church. Be fully present. When I visit with someone or whenever someone comes to see me in my office, I do my very best to be fully present with them. And by that, I mean giving them my undivided attention. And it's not, it's not always easy. It can be hard work. And that says more about me than it says about the other people that I see. I can get easily distracted, maybe you can too from time to time, by other work that needs to be done. Or by thinking about the lunch that I'm very soon going to eat. Or I can let my mind wander to that really great novel that I'm reading at home or the next episode of my favorite show on Netflix that I'm looking forward to watching. Or I can begin to think about my wife or my children or the past or the future or so many different things. Being fully present take works, takes work. It, it takes intentionality. And, and when it's done, when it's done, it is, I think, a holy action. Chop wood, carry water is one of the Zen Buddhist ways of talking about mindfulness. Chop wood, carry water. It's about being fully present in the present moment and bringing all of yourself to whatever you're doing. For me, this, this practice of being fully present with those who are present with me is, is sacramental. It reminds me that Christ is present in all those whom I meet, and just as I'd want to give Christ my full attention if he were sitting in my office, I also want to give those who bear the image of Christ that same attention, that same presence. Be fully present with those who are present with you. I think that's what's at the core of this passage that we're hearing today from John's Gospel account, John chapter 12. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, but before he gets there, he stops at, at nearby Bethany to have a meal with some of his very close friends, Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus. Remember that it's, it's only been a short time that Jesus was previously in Bethany, called by, by Martha and Mary after Lazarus had been taken ill, and 
and then die. This is all in John chapter 11. Go and read it later today if you have a few minutes. As Jesus comes into the town, Martha runs out and confronts Jesus for not getting there quicker. Lord, if you had just been here, our brother would not have died, she says. And then she has, Jesus has, has her take him to the tomb. And, and as he gets there, he, he calls into the tomb to the bandaged and, and stinking and dead Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And out Lazarus comes. Cut to the dinner table a few days later in Bethany, and the newly revived Lazarus, imagine sitting at that dinner table with him, is now seated with Jesus and the disciples. Martha is there serving, we're told, and and in walks Mary. She walks over to Jesus. She breaks open a bottle of perfumed oil. She anoints his feet, and then she dries his feet with her hair. And we're we're given this, this glimpse of an intimate and an extravagant act of love. We're told by the gospel writer that the cost of this perfume was about 300 denarii. One denarii, you, you may remember, was equal to a, a day's wage in Jesus' time. And so it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that this perfume costs nearly as much as a person would have earned in an entire year. Today it would be as if someone who was making, a, making minimum wage went out and spent $18,000 on a bottle of perfume. This is a, a lavish act at a great expense. And Judas sees it all take place. He sees it all and he, he calls Mary out. Why, why would she do such a thing? We could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. What does she think she is doing? And of course, Judas is right. Judas is right. It feels a little strange saying that, but Judas, Judas is right. Such costly perfume could have, could have fed many. Just think of all the bread 300 denarii could buy. He's, he's right. But he's right for all the wrong reasons, as the gospel writer points out. Judas, John tells us, wasn't actually interested in the poor, but rather in stealing from the common purse. And so Jesus responds that she should be let alone, for you will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Now lots of ink has been spilled trying to figure out why Jesus would say this, you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. Some wonder, is, is Jesus the very same one who proclaimed that blessed are the poor now, telling us that the poor do not matter? Is this Jesus the one who said that if anyone asks for your coat, that you should give them your shirt also, now saying that we should accept poverty as, as inevitable and unfixable? I don't think that's it. And in fact, most biblical commentators point out that Jesus in this reprimand of Judas is, is simply paraphrasing a passage from Deuteronomy whose, whose message about care for the poor is very clear. This is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 15. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be generous and open-handed. In other words, the, the call for, to care for the poor is, is constant. It never ceases. And Jesus seems to be saying that, that it's the poor that Mary serves when she serves him. And it's the same thing for us. It's true for us. It's always Jesus we serve when we love extravagantly and without reservation, when we are fully present with those whom God places right in front of us right now. As Mother Teresa once said, I see Jesus in every human being I serve. 
I think that Mary is praised because she offers with reckless abandon her devotion, her love, the very best that she has to offer to the one who is present with her in that moment. Knowing what Jesus is about to face, about to face knowing, knowing that his time is short, she expresses all the, all the gratitude, all the affection that she carries in her heart, and she acts. Given the choice between some abstract need, the poor out there, and the concrete need that presents itself at her house, at her very dinner table, Mary chooses to be fully present with the one who is present with her. I'm convinced that the spiritual life, our faith, is all about the present. So often, faith can turn into worrying about the future, or feeling guilty about the past, and so we forget what God has called us to do right here and right now. Of course, it's important to set goals for the future and to work to make those things a reality, and it's also important to to look back, to think about those things that may have caused us to stumble or sin so that we can turn and go in a new direction. But, But faith is also about being present in the present moment, for it's in the present moment Uh, where we are living uh, in the real. And it's in this moment that we can respond and serve and love the God who is fully present with us right now. St. Ignatius of Loyola, the the 16th century Roman Catholic priest and and founder of the Jesuits, talked about about the spiritual life in this way. He He said it's about finding God in all things and being present in the now, he writes, for it's in the now that we can experience the fullness of God's love. Finding God in all things and experiencing the fullness of God's love right now. Be fully present with those who are present with you. Mary exhibits this, this presence in an extravagant way this morning and, and reminds us of our call to do the very same thing. The time is short. Life, life is short. The cross awaits Jesus. And, and here today we have Jesus asking each one of us this question. What are you going to do while you have me right here in front of you? Amen.